You're listening to the Ali at UNT podcast, recorded at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas. This podcast features interviews with the faculty, members, and staff who are a part of Ali at UNT's community of lifelong learners. To learn more about our program, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu, or send us an email at olli at unt.edu. Now let's join our host, Ali at UNT member, Susan Supak. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie. I'm speaking with Dr. Scott Belshaw, director of the UNT Cyber Forensics Lab and his Cyber Lab Research Assistant, Lauren Underwood. Dr. Belshaw is a veteran of the U.S. Navy. Thank you for your service former district and county probation officer and private investigator. He is an associate professor of criminal justice at UNT and, fortunately for us, a member of the OLLI faculty, where he has shared his knowledge and expertise on the mysterious and secret world of the deep dark web, among other interesting projects of the Cyber Forensics Lab. Dr. Belshaw was awarded his Ph.D. from Prairie View A&M College of Juvenile Justice. He has accumulated several M.A.s, one from the University of Oklahoma on International Global Affairs, with a concentration in global security, and another from the University of Houston in criminology. He rounds this out with an MLA in liberal arts in English and philosophy from Houston Baptist University and a BS from the University of Houston in psychology and social science. Lauren Underwood is a supervisor and research lab assistant at the Cyber Forensics Lab, where she is an expert expert on the dark web. A UNT alum with a BA in psychology, this semester Lauren will be receiving an MS from UNT in criminal justice with a concentration in theory and research. In addition to reaching out to assist law enforcement agencies to accelerate their investigation processes, the Cyber Lab has created groundbreaking technology that could help consumers discover the presence of credit card skimmers stealing their credit card data before they become victims to these types of crimes. I'm excited to hear about that. Hello, Dr. Belshaw, and hello, Lauren. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Hi. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. I hardly know where to begin with all of this. There is so much. You're involved in so many amazingly interesting, if not a bit scary, projects and work on protecting us from scammers and in helping the law enforcement catch the bad guys, among other things. I suppose the best place to start is with you, Dr. Belshaw. Could you describe for us the mission of the UNT Cyber Forensics Lab and what it does? Well, that's an interesting question. It depends. Day to day, I don't even know sometimes. But (laughs) originally, what happened was about three and a half years ago, we received an enormous amount of funding from a wonderful donor here at the university named Steve Holmes. He's a donor here at UNT. He's very involved here at the university. And he gave us some money to develop a lab that dealt with the cyber problems that are out there in the world, but more from a criminal justice side of rather than more of a computer science side. It's kind of a merge of both disciplines. 
So what we did is we started doing a lot of work on uh, examining cell phones, examining laptops, examining things like law enforcement would bring us a cell phone. We would extract all the data from it, analyze some of that data and get it back to them. Of course, as you can see, there's a lot of cases involving child pornography and child exploitation cases that involve that. So we were doing a lot of that and we were heavy traffic from law enforcement coming in, bringing us a lot of these specific devices. And it was really difficult to, we were just so overloaded with them. So what we did is we split that off a little bit. We still do a little bit of that already, but we started moving more towards the technology because I was finding that there wasn't the technology out there to really help law enforcement solve a lot of these problems. So I started moving into the perspective of law enforcement comes to me with a problem and then what we do is sit down and figure out how to solve that problem. If it's developing a new technology, we'll do that. If it's developing software, we'll do it that way or if it's just developing something new. So I reached out to our vice president of research office and started speaking with them about it. And a really great guy who works at the university, Mike Rondelli, he's the associate vice president of innovation and commercialization. So I got with him about, hey, if I develop a product, what can we do? Can we patent it, do all that stuff? He was like, absolutely, we can do that. And we'll take care of it in this office and all stuff. Great. So that's when we started moving more towards the innovation side. And then everybody from the U.S. Army to Department of Defense, all these places have come to us and said, hey, we need help with some problems and we need you to help solve problems. And so has the local police departments. And that's how we got into the whole skimmer business. Police departments came to us and said, what are these things we're finding in our gas pumps? We don't know what they are. The, the gas pump people are, or the operators are calling us saying, hey, we found this. What is it? And the police departments don't know. They just have no clue. So they would bring it to us. They knew kind of what we did and they would say, Scott, can you help me figure this out? And I'd, so we would sit down and with what we know and we would be able to extract through the chips and look at them and figure out how to help them out and get the data off of the chip too. Because that's the thing when the chip is still sitting in the gas pump, it's got data on it, people's credit card numbers. Right. So we would be able to get the credit card numbers off and give it back to law enforcement. And then they could track down the people and say, hey, your card's been compromised, contact the bank, things like that. So that's kind of how it all evolved. And it went from doing a lot of cell phone looking at cell phones and studying cell phones and how they work and the data that's inside them and how to analyze the data inside them all the way to an innovation lab that, that essentially I'm a problem solver is what I am. And, you know, law enforcement comes to us and this says, hey, we got we need help solving a problem. And so we've done lots of different things in our lab. You must be very leading edge. The technology seems to be growing in leaps and bounds, and I'm sure for good reasons and bad reasons. The technology moves very fast, yeah. and that's what we have to keep up with. Originally, one of our products that we licensed out to a company was a software that I developed along with a professor in the Department of Geography was looking at cell phone tower data, looking at the data that's in a cell phone tower and that like your cell phone, it pings off a specific tower. And we were looking at it because law enforcement would get this data from let's say AT&T or Sprint or whoever, and it would be thousands of pages long. And they would have to literally oh input goodness. it in one at a time to determine, because everything is all coded. It would say the, the latitude, longitude of the tower and then it would say, okay, it would it, whatever the tower tower would have a specific code, and it was just it was a mess. So what I did is developed a software that takes that information, dumps it into the computer, and then even each ping from there 
from the cell phone, it would also would go in there too. It would normally take law enforcement about three to six months just to input that data. No kidding. It would, t- it would take us to input the data and process it about six months. We did it in less than three seconds. No. Uh, we could put the data in there and it would process it really fast and then it would throw it up onto a like Google Earth. And it would show literally the cell phone towers, and it would show the trail of where the person went. And we have an example of a case that we worked on that was very successful. It was a sexual assault case where an individual was claiming they were not in that region, they were not in that area. So I got all the data from law enforcement, put it in our system, and it showed literally in the center of the screen where the sexual assault took place... It showed the suspect was pinging around the towers all around that location. That's so incredible. He was, so they were able to take that back to the prosecutors and say, look, we've got, the guy was there. Yeah. So where he was claiming, no, no, I wasn't in that area, but his phone was specifically in that area right. going around and was pinging off the towers outside the victim's hall. It's so interesting that you're not only dealing with, I'm sure it must be federal, local a law yeah. enforcement. And a state or whatever level. And then the military as well. Yeah. So the military would come to us for various problems. They came to us one time and said, one of the problems that we have is dealing with sound when you shoot a gun. The sound coming out of the gun hurts the ears of the the shooters that are out there. Sure, yeah. And so they said, can you develop a better way of doing that? So what I did was sit down with some people who were audiologists I sat down with people from different engineering and all that stuff, and we developed, essentially, I think it's a better suppressor or silencer that helps not just the regular military, but even some of our special forces guys, too. So we've patented that already. Decibel levels that are required under the military, ours goes significantly lower, so it doesn't hurt their ears, because if they're out shooting all the time, it's going to hurt their ears. So we've done things like that with the military. And then that's currently in the in the hands of the U.S. Army as we speak. So what an incredible contribution! That must feel great. It sounds no, it amazing. That's I'm, ex- I'm excited about all the yeah, work we I do, bet. and, and, and especially bet. some of the patents we have produced and the intellectual property that the university is a part of. And they've been a great partner with us and have been very supportive of us. And I'm excited about all the stuff and what's going to happen even in the future. Now, I was reading and have heard about the dark web. I didn't realize there was a deep web. So I hear you're an expert on this dark web, Lauren. Can you explain to us a little bit is there a difference between the two? So yes, there there is a difference. They're both essentially kind of the same, but the difference is what you find on each level. So on the surface web, which is where you find the World Wide Web, all the web addresses that start with www. Google. That makes up about 4% of what you actually see online. You go a little bit further down and that's that's the deep web. You're going to find probably a couple of moderate hackers, minimal identity theft, maybe not a whole lot or very advanced or knowledgeable criminals. You go a little further and you've got the dark web. You're going to find your hitman. You're going to find your child pornography. You're going to find very, very advanced identity theft suspects who can take your whole identity, not just your credit card information. They're going to take your home address, your email address, your children's email addresses. That's horrible. Yeah. That's very frightening. So I'd say, I'd say the education level, the further you go down gets better. The Worst things you find are going to be in the dark web, while the deep web's more of like a moderate, just curious, kind of dabbling in experts of fishing and stuff like that. Think of it like as a giant iceberg. Yeah. Okay. So you think of an iceberg, the tip of the iceberg is surface web that everybody's familiar with. Right. Everything below the, the water level 
is the dark web and the deep web, which is the all unknown. the area where it's your standard computer at home could not get on that. You have to have special equipment yes. to get on the... Yes. I get them confused. They're, they're together. You find oh, them at okay. the same place. Okay, <laughs> so I can just say... The deep web. The deep dark web. web. Okay. They're the same. So you have to have special equipment to get on the deep Correct. web. I couldn't just go to it. I couldn't Google deep web finder and get no. on there. And you would find, and it's not your typical, like Lauren was saying, your www. It's a whole series of numbers and letters that you wouldn't know. So if you don't know where to go, you're not going to find it. it. There's not a web browser necessarily like Yahoo or Google that will locate all of that information, categorize that information for you. You have to know where to go. So what happens is, is, so you have to get on to use a software, your router and everything has to be open enough to where anybody could come in and out of your computer. Well, so, you must have amazing protection at your lab because you're looking at this kind of stuff all the time, we right? We do. The system has been very helpful with us and developed a, a way that we can, it's very protective. And we have one computer in the lab that that's mm-hmm. all we do is dark web stuff. And it does not have any access to the overall internet system because it's a lot more vulnerable to viruses sure. and to attacks or stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Literally, Lauren, when she's on the dark web all the time, she has to... I'm constantly running. Cleaning it. Yeah. Cleaning okay. it and make sure that if something she didn't accidentally download, something that comes onto our Do system. Do you get a lot of hits from that um, from your system cleaning things up? I've never been hacked. I've never, I've never found viruses or any personal attacks, but I communicate with a lot of people in the dark web and chat rooms. I'm, I make myself, my personas, I make my personas known. Um, so I've got a lot of buddies, I would say, and they're constantly sending out and corrupting others' computers. I've never had it happen to myself, but I've had buddies on the dark web that are sending it out to their people. Is everybody on the dark web besides you on it for illegitimate purposes? No. Um, so why do people go on it? Now, when I give a password on my bank mm-hmm. and they protect that password, does that go into the dark web? It doesn't just automatically just show up. Um, okay. It's people having to target you. So if you have a notebook on your, your computer where you're saving all your passwords for all your social medias, your bank accounts, your partners, you know, all the, all the important information, people forget it. So they write it down and they stick it on their laptop thinking it's safe. Well, all it takes is me, you know, your granddaughter or something saying, hey, can I borrow your computer? And you go, yeah, sure, whatever. I take it. And then once I have that information, I can put it on the dark web. But unless you're just messing around with people you shouldn't be, people aren't just going to go out of their way to just go attack it. your computer and take all the information on Think it. Think about where all your, those, when we talked about the skimmers, where all those credit card numbers go. And that's what they do is they'll sell them to people on there. Okay. Um, they'll sell it to people on dark web. They'll sell it. And there's... That's um, if it ends up on the dark web, then they're selling it. it. I'm does. not keeping it for myself. I don't want it. I don't care for it. So I'm going right. to sell it to... Somebody yes. Anyone else that wants to buy yeah. it. So why would people be on there if they're not? Oh, the illegitimate reasons. Yeah. The United States actually doesn't use the dark web as much as a lot of Eastern countries do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of computer laws where like women can't get on the computer, children can't get on the computer. There's lots of control where websites are completely, or servers that mm-hmm. control websites are completely shut down. China, North Korea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And so there's a lot of people that are in these countries who still want to practice certain religions or view certain, even movies or books, and they can't because it's against the law. Mm-hmm. So they'll go on here just looking for a version of a Bible because they can't technically own a Bible in 
whatever country it right. is. So they go on there to look at the Bible, to read the Bible, to whatever they need. So there, there's a lot of people that are on it for not just child pornography and not just to hire a hitman. There are some women and men on it purely just trying to learn. But it's kind of a different environment. I always equate it to, you know, there's some wonderful people that live in a bad neighborhood. Yeah. So think of it as like a bad neighborhood. To get in there, people are always suspect of you. Mm -hmm. They don't know who you are and they're not going to talk to you necessarily unless they get to know who you are and engage. Because again, there is a lot of illegal stuff going on in there and and it's extremely difficult for law enforcement to catch people on that. Now, the big story that everybody's, of course, heard about is Silk Road, which is where that was dark website that sold lots of drugs, sold guns, it sold all sorts of, it was a proverbial Walmart (laughs) of illegal activity. And they finally got taken down because law enforcement was, it was very new, the dark web. They were very focused on it and they were able to track down to a person. Today, it's very, very difficult to do because law enforcement, A, doesn't understand the dark web nearly as much as probably scientists out there, such as kind of what we do. I would imagine they have to rely on people like you and the Cyber Forensics Lab to help them with their investigations. And we do. We do help some of them. Department of Homeland Security, things like Mm -hmm. this will come to us about advice. They come to her for advice on the dark web, and they'll ask us quite because they'll see like somebody's on there selling illegal documents or selling citizenships illegally which you could buy and documents like your passports and stuff like this so they don't understand the neighborhood they don't understand that kind of thing so we help them out with that and help them guide through that area and it's kind of a neat neat thing it's like when i was in college when i first got involved in criminal justice going into my first prison for the first time i I thought was kind of cool because it was just a whole different world had a different set of rules social contract was a lot different in there than it is on the outside it's the same on the dark web it's just the wild west so we're starting to see a lot of that and we're starting to see we're able to get access to a lot of these sites that a lot of people don't have access to because of the nature of the research work that we do so we're able to see a lot of this stuff going on and then we relay a lot of that stuff onto law enforcement say hey you need to focus on this if lauren sees anything that pops up from dealing with north texas area we'll we'll let the homeland security guys know and this has popped up but again it's just it's like pulling a weed i mean you pull it once it's going to pop up again you're never going to finish and i kind of look at us as more of explaining the neighborhood to people and showing people how to get in the neighborhood because you have to have specific software. What the software does is it hides your internet protocol, your IP address that labels you to each individual computer. It hides that and bounces it off about seven or eight different sites all over the world so nobody can track who you are. Well, that's the way law enforcement tracks somebody down who's doing something illegal on a computer is they will find the IP address. But you can be doing something not illegal. I don't want my parents to, to know uh, to know where I am. Like, yeah. I want them to be able to track. And, and not the parents do it. My parents are cops, so my parents can't track down <laughs> my IP address. But it's, sometimes they log on, it just blocks your IP address. So it's like, I just, more of a paranoia thing almost. I don't want people to know what I'm looking up. I don't want people to find my history. It's a even, privacy issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. even if I'm just looking at Google, which you technically can still pull Google up, it's a different search engine. It's called Not Evil, DuckDuckGo, silly things like oh, that. DuckDuckGo, you can get on, on, my, the surface, on my Apple. I can get DuckDuckGo. That's but there's of, also one you can There's another down. one, mm-hmm. a deeper one. Yeah. Now, Lauren, you said you go on chat rooms. Can you say why you do that? Why you go on <laughs> chat rooms? The, okay, so his explanation of it being like a neighborhood, that's like me walking into this neighborhood and being the new kid on the block. The best way for me to learn and the best way for me to... 
reach out to people is to make friends with these people to figure out, okay, well, what are you doing here? Well, what have you learned? What has been your experience? And from there, it's like, okay, so Ruby Rose over here said that this was her experience. My experience has been similar. She looked at these websites. Let me look at these websites. And that's the best way you learn is through other people. Do you tell them why you're on there? No. Yeah, I wonder. Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. That helps. That goes back to my, like you mentioned earlier, my private investigation days. Yes, right. I I did a lot of that. I did. And you didn't say, gee, I am here to find X, Y, Z. No, I did not. No, I did not. Now, you, because you bring this up, your background, but you weren't a computer science guy. No. So where did you get the technical I, know-how to do all of this? I'm impressed. <laughs> I've been involved in computers all my life since I was a kid. I've always been involved with dealing with computers. And then, of course, in my present job, I analyze a lot of data, some big data sets. And so I've always been pretty familiar with that. A lot of the technical, some of the forensic stuff I've had to kind of learn. And, and and again, it's a learning process for me over the years to be able to learn how to do a lot of this stuff. It's just been something I've picked up and learned from everybody from computer science and engineering and all over the university. So it's been fun. It's been fun learning a lot of it. Oh, I'm impressed just hearing about what you all do. I can't imagine waking up in the morning thinking about what you do. And it's so important. Are you involved in work to help protect the rest of us? Well, I think, yeah, well, I people think, like me who have no clue what's out there. I feel like we do a lot of, we do a lot of speakings and public awareness. My thought process is I would rather make you aware of what's out there and teach you how to be careful on it rather than you not know how to be careful on it and you end up somewhere you shouldn't be and not know what to do. I'd rather you kind of have the tools to be successful. We did one in Irving where we taught them, we showed them, we're like, this is the dark web, this is what you find on the dark web, and this is how you protect yourself on the dark web. And I've taught here at Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> some of the over at Robeson Ranch, they were like, wow, that's this is. You scared them. They I were probably, just, yeah, they I were so probably, scared. It was nice that there was, it was the wine and cheese one. So <laughs> that, was, helps. That, that, that helped. <laughs> that definitely helped. One of the things that we've looked at before, and we still continue to look at on a regular basis, is some of the new apps that come out for people's cell phones for kids. Yes. And we look at that stuff and we look at the certain apps that child pornographers use to hide information and hide data because I find them on phones all the time. So what we'll do and what Lauren will do is we'll educate the population about, hey, if you see some of these apps and you see these things, you need to be aware of them. These are signs. Um, these are definitely signs. And then when you're interacting on social media, you need to be careful with that and who you're talking to. It's not necessarily the safest place in the world. Would you say when you see these apps, does that mean that I didn't put the app on my phone and it's just showing up? Or would it mean my child has that app and perhaps they're involved in talking to people that I'm not aware of it that they're talking to? It would mean your child has that app. All and, right. And there's places, too, that you can hide information. There's a, an app called Calculator Plus where you looks like a calculator, but when you start examining the size of the app, where normally it'd be like two kilobytes in size, and then all of a sudden you look and it's four hundred kilobytes. Something. Something's amiss. Right. Yeah. So it's it's it means it's storing something. The calculator serves as like a. I have multiple ones. I have like half my apps are fake apps, and on the new iPhones, you can actually go into your settings, change the image of what shows up on the iPhone and change the name. So even though you click on it and it's your pictures, I can still title it, like say that's what it really is. Once you open the app, it's your pictures. I can title it calendar so that my mom and dad never actually go into my pictures. They think it's the calendar. And when they're like, where are your photos? Oh, I don't take photos. I don't so have why would I? Photos. Yeah. 
I have a calculator one where I hide whatever, like as a kid, pictures, videos, text messages that I don't want you as my mom to see. Right. But her dad will call me and then I'll I'll get her all. I'll tell him all <laughs> yeah, then you can go through and be like, okay, why does it say, yeah. you know, it's your calendar, but it's like 253. It's yeah, like yeah. your calendar should not be that big. Yeah. So then you go and you click on it and you're like, okay, well, there's 3,000 photos in this yeah. calendar app. That's why. And that's what law enforcement will find is they'll find these apps and they don't, they see it as a calculator app, but you type in a click code on it, yeah. and you type in a code on the calculator and it will open up a place where you can store photos and stuff like this. And you've got 3,000 pictures of child yeah. pornography. I mean, in this day, I'm... Every day I read in the paper about the fear of the Chinese company that mm-hmm. got the yeah. uh, technology to do some things that mm-hmm. could be harmful. I hear about children that have been communicating with people and lured into different mm-hmm. places. So I would imagine that somebody like the two of you and your lab would have to be connected to any law enforcement now because mm-hmm. that's happening all the time. We do. They contact us a lot. These Mm -hmm. problems pop up on a frequent basis. And yeah, we help them analyze that stuff, go through what they need to go through and tell them because they're not, they're not looking at the technology and the technology changes. It's not just, it's an evolving thing. So we have to then be the ones examining the technology and following like example with skimmers. Skimmers went from just being something they would just put on the outside of a gas pump where you slide your credit card in to now they put them in the inside and it's connected via Bluetooth where they can download the information just sitting down the street or sitting just a few feet away. Mm-hmm. And then the new technology is coming where it's all cellular based. So a guy could be sitting at home, the skimmer's inside the pump and he can download anytime he wants. So what does the technology you've developed do? So the technology, what we did is I started looking at the problem and figuring out a way to detect it. Because one of the problems is if you look at like say Bucky's or one of these companies that has, what does Bucky's have? 200 something? 200 Unbelievable. Yeah. I thought it was like 97. It's no, they have like 97 bays, but then they have four pumps on each bay. So what's okay. 97 times four? Yeah. That's a lot. 300 something? 390 something. Yeah, yeah okay, so. that's how many gas pumps they have. Oh, wow. And that's not including the big ones for the 18 wheelers to go into. That's just the so, core one. You're right, you're right. So you're you're looking at how long would it take a person to go around and check every one of those? It would how hard is time. it to put a skimmer like that very into simple, one? Very simple. Is because it? About five seconds. Really? Because to get, to get it in total, to get it working... Get it shut, get it back in the car, takes about between five and eight yeah, seconds. Yeah, depending on how like skilled you are. If you've seconds. got 300, 400 pumps, it's a little hard to keep a handle on so that. So what they would yep. do is they would put them in a handful of pumps or a few pumps, and then they would just wait and let it collecting data. So what happens is is when you put your credit card in, the information goes into the pump, and it goes through what the the skimmer is what we call a pass through it goes through it records the data in the skimmer but it still continues the transaction through the in the pump so you don't know any difference right the difference is is somebody just saved your pump think of it as like in the old days what would happen is say a waitress or a waiter would do is take your credit card back to the front or take your credit card and then they would have a little thing that they would slide through that would record all your information that's on your magnetic strip and they would keep it and then they could use your card. So it stores that information in there and then what happens is after about a month, which would be about six, seven hundred credit cards depending on how popular the popular gas station that, is that a buckies i can imagine a buckies oh, might be, be thousands, thousands yeah. yeah and then they would download all that data 
and they would just leave the skimmer in there. It didn't matter. So when the technician eventually comes out once every three, four months, comes yes. out, opens it up and sees it and goes, oh, there's something in here. There's something in there. They would look at it and it would, if it had data in there, great. If it didn't, the guy's already moved on. He's already. He probably ain't even still in Texas. No, he's, yeah. So, and then all of a sudden he's already sold your card. He's already mm-hmm. created a new card. A new card. A new card out of your information yep. and he's probably already spinning on stuff. Or sold it to someone for or them to. Or sold it to somebody mm-hmm. to. We're finding what's happening in North Texas is yeah. that data that's being collected is being sent down to Houston. Mm-hmm. And it, what it's done, it's being where they're creating fake cards. People are going to gas stations and they're getting these big, have you ever seen those big, huge water tanks? That yes. Like somebody who uh, is does a, like a, a... A swimming pool or... Something like that. Yeah. Or maybe even a little smaller, like um, not a swimming pool, but more of like... Like the people on the side of the road when there's like detail, a... Like yeah. a detailing, like if you want to clean your car from a dish, sure. you know, they have a big tank of water in the back of their... Not huge tank, but it's like in the back of a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. They'll go and they'll fill those things up full of gas and then they'll go sell it for cheaper. So it's all really ingrained into the fuel industry. Which is that's what we found in North Texas. That's not North Texas necessarily applicable to the Florida people we run into or the <clears throat> California people. But. but we're seeing a lot of that. That's what they're doing yeah. is they're using those fake credit cards to purchase that fuel and then resell that fuel at a much right. cheaper rate. We're seeing that the data that's coming up from here and going back and doing that. Yes. So what our wand does is we developed a skimmer wand that detects the skimmer inside of the pump, so you don't have to open it up. You just wave that wand and it <clears throat> and says... it will tell you yes or no if there's way we think of it is in the research world is more likely than not. So if we're looking at it more from a commercial use and not just commercial, but commercial businesses as well as a personal use. So you see it more as a business owner Mm -hmm. going out, checking the pumps regularly. Like a morning routine. Like you have your morning duties kind of, or closing duties. Yeah. And that being something they'll run by. But now the new laws are coming out within the next year or so. These new laws are coming out in the state of Texas that the gas station owners now are being held liable for not checking their pumps and making sure there's no skimmers in it. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, when your card is compromised at a gas station, who gets hurt? It's not the gas station. The gas station doesn't get hurt. You don't get hurt. You get inconvenienced, but you don't get hurt. The bank is the one who's got to then reimburse you back. They're the ones that get hurt. So what the banks are doing, and they're fighting and saying, look, we're not the only ones should be held liable for this. It should be the gas station owner. The law now is starting to move to where the gas station owners are going to be held more responsible and accountable. So that's where our wand goes great because now it's, now it's like they are... Now they that, have no reason not to be yes. checking their pumps every morning. That's yes. fantastic. So that's, and it's not just gas pumps. It's ATMs too, ATMs, right? ATMs or anything else. Registers at Walmart or inside the gas station, shopping places... They have what they call overlay yeah. skimmers, which is on like the little credit card machines you mm-hmm. see at, at a uh, when you go at a Walmart sure. or something. The what, self-help some, lines that you yeah. go through. Okay. Somebody will put a what we call an overlay on top of that. Looks just like the keyboard. Looks like everything. But what it's doing is when you're inputting that information in there. It's saving it on a chip that they're eventually going to I'm come taking the two of you with me from now on. <laughs> well, I've always said about identity theft is one thing. I've said a couple things. If you don't want somebody to have really bad credit, drive like a 1971 Chevelle. And no one will ever mess with no you. No one will ever mess with it because the chip that your car has inside there 
is and you connect your iPhone and you connect your phone to that chip, to that car, yeah. that your car knows more about you than your phone does. Because mm-hmm. it knows your tracks you, it does all that stuff. Oh yeah, law enforcement takes this into account. Absolutely. I get into my car and really? it automatically pops up on my thing, 22 minutes to destination. And I'm like, oh, your car knows I didn't more. even put a destination in I yet. remember <laughs> the first time I sat in a coffee shop, I had an iPhone at the time and it said to me, your car is so, so your car is away. Yep. I was like, how does it know it's how my car? <laughs> All that data saved. So I'll give you another example. You remember a couple of years ago when there was a terrorist action that happened out in California and there was the law enforcement went to Apple and said, hey, we want yes. to crack into phone. Apple said, no, we're not giving you any backdoor passwords. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. And so how did they finally get into it. Well, they did it because they went to that individual's car and that individual's car and from had all, it downloads all your information. So it had all the text messages, it had all the, the data, it had all the connect. You want to find I'm a cheating so spouse, just go to their car. I, as, as, as a private investigator, I, when, I, when I did that, I used to literally have to follow people. Now today, it's like these investigators have it easy because they're like, you don't have to follow people. You just it's everything. People don't lock their doors either. Just get in their car, open the door. You don't even need to do that. You just somehow track the car and it's You and, got and, it. And you've got everything you need. You can just sit at home and So do the bad guys do that? They do the do the criminal does the criminal element get into your car and do that kind of thing? What's to I protect mean, me the, from my don't car see a lot having of that because yeah. a lot of that data is encrypted. Okay. So well, that's which is a relief. Good. But there's still people that can law enforcement can't. I've read that your phone when you're talking on the phone is encrypted. However, law enforcement can get into There's always someone if if you if someone says you're protected or it's encrypted or you won't be found or you won't be traced, it's not true. Someone somewhere is smart enough to unencrypt it, to locate you, to find it, to open it. Like don't just assume that because it's encrypted you're completely There's a few ways to protect yourself and that people use emails that you can send encrypted. Encryption is one of those things. There's not just one level of encryption. There's there's many levels. So if you have the highest level of encryption, it's very difficult to do. And there's some criminals that do that. Mm -hmm. And then we've seen the lowest level, which is some criminals that are easy to crack. And we've cracked before. I've cracked some. Like ProtonMail, it's an email account that is an encrypted email. There's different levels. Depending on how much you pay for this email service, it you can have higher, lower, whatever. It's a good email service. It's, it's that, great, but it's very well. If protected. someone tries hard enough, I'm I wouldn't. I'm say sure somebody. I'm sure there's not somebody in this world that could figure. There's it out. There's some smart people mm-hmm. in there's, this it's, world. That's what we're saying is the technology is moving so fast. Yeah. And we have to keep up with it. We yeah. have to keep up with the latest stuff because if we don't, then law enforcement's not is not able to do that. Now, when will this wand be available? Well, right now it's currently in the awesome. commercialization. Off. Did uh, you get your patent yet, or are uh, you still in that we, process? We are still in that process, but yes, we are. We've got a. Uh, I believe we have a provisional already on that, and we've got. We developed also an extractor mm-hmm. of information that you can pull out of the the skimmer wand too, or the skimmer. On top of that, we've got the software in the wand that we're working on. So all that right now is in. Our commercialization here at UNT, their office, and we've got two companies right now that are very interested. And what we do is we don't manufacture stuff here; we license it out. So UNT will license it out to a company that will then take it to market. We're just the tech people. We, so we, no we idea how much a cost would be, no, or no, no, exactly they, how long it would take. Who we I license hope- it out to? It. 
I'm not. I don't think it's going to be very it long, be long because we've already done the hard part. We've developed the technology. Now it's a matter of somebody taking it and putting it in the way they want it done and, and mass producing and mass producing it. I would imagine that some of your information and some of the projects that you work on probably have a certain level of confidentiality, but is there something in the works or that you would like to see in the works, some sort of a project that you think would be an exciting place to go for the future? Because you've obviously taken real initiative in trying to come up with solutions. Well, there's a couple things. One thing is we understand what, I think most people understand what what malware is, which Mm -hmm. is malicious software that gets on your computer and crashes your computer. I would like to turn that around on the bad guys. I would like to give the bad guys the malware, and then we can see what they're doing. Oh, I absolutely love that idea. I would like that. We're we're working on projects similar to that. More dark web stuff. I I think there's a lot more in the dark web. Actually, it's kind of funny. This fall coming out, fall 2020, I've got a book coming out that I wrote on the dark web. And what is the title of that book? It's called Dark Web Unfiltered. I'm and it's about, going to check that one out uh, for it is, sure. It will be out this fall okay. um, with Kindle Hunt Press. They were very uh, excited. I know. Laura, I've included lots of chat room. Like, Lauren's, oh, Lauren's, I can't Lauren, wait to read Lauren's it. Lauren's helped me out on that. I'll, I'll probably have to have you both back after I read <laughs> you this can read book. <laughs> I'll say I never even asked them about that. And Lauren has just been wonderful and helped me out and helped me out on that. And we've talked about some of these experiences that we've yeah. seen and what she has seen in the dark web. And we've kind of given our how crazy the dark web is and how kind of almost the like people a, I've met. the people she's met <laughs> and just some of the crazy stuff that we see that some of the chat rooms we've found, some of the websites we found. Yeah, there's you can hire a hitman on the on the dark web. Does some web. of that just like stay with you at night when you go to sleep? I mean, I can't imagine some of the information I mean, you see must be. I've a been bit in criminal justice yeah. most of my, all my life, um, and I worked again. I was a probation officer. I was a chief probation officer. I got to a point where you know I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. It's just kind of like learn to kind of put it aside. Yeah. Um, That's good. And things like this, this yeah. stuff, it's kind of the same way. It just it's kind of trying to. You're just trying to solve problems. I kind of look at it that way. Yeah, both my parents were law enforcement, so I've been dealing with it from day one. And they basically were like, it's a job, it's a duty, you go to work, you do it, you don't bring it home. You don't bring your work home, you leave everything at the office. So as soon as you walk out that door, even if it was a horrible day and you saw things you didn't want to see, don't bring it home. Don't ruin our day just because you had a bad day at work. Unless it's 10 o'clock at night and Lauren texts and, and, me. And I'm like, oh my God. And she texts me something weird she saw on the internet <laughs> I'm like, and wants to know if we can turn it into a project. I'm like, I'm I, like, I saw this on TV. Yeah. Do you think we could make this happen? And he's uh, like, Lauren, well, that's like not not a thing. No, and I'm I, like, I, I, oh. So well, things okay. like. All right, good night then. I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's a fun process. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of fun. Thinking about these problems, how to solve them, coming up with new ones. And again, mm-hmm. UNT has been the forerunner of this. It's wonderful. We've had tons of, I've had all the news media. We've yeah. had exposure from all the news media. It's such an interesting topic. I mean, yeah. everything is so groundbreaking. Now, how many people work there in the lab? We've got, what, about five other people plus us two, mm-hmm. so seven. About seven right now. We have kids from criminal justice. We have people in the TAMS program. We offer at UNT. Yeah. What we, is the TAMS program? Texas Academy of Math and Science. So mm-hmm. it's over at UNT where we have kids that are their juniors in high school, but they're, and, so but they're freshmen in college. Yeah. They've been admitted because they're extremely smart. Most of them graduate and go on to Harvard, Yale, Stanford. Stanford. I've had graduates from 
that have worked in my lab go to Stanford. Last year, one went to Stanford, MIT, and yeah. Yale, maybe Harvard. Yeah. I don't remember one of them. Yeah, so we have them go to those top schools, mm-hmm. and they take what they've learned from us. They and, all go to Ivy League, and yeah. I get a great, really smart kid that I can work with and, and help. That's and, super eager to do something groundbreaking. Yeah. It must be a field that's just expanding and expanding. I can imagine it would be a terrific field for a young person to be in and oh, yeah. an older person. And they, like, that's you know, right. we've got... We've got ones that are super eager. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of them are super eager. They're all eager. eager in different aspects. Yes. That's the beauty of the having young people like that. Yes. And also, they don't think in the box. They aren't limited to that traditional <laughs> style of thinking. They've got the they come from a different world. universe. Yeah. Yes. I think that's been the, 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 I wouldn't say the most difficult thing, but poor Lauren, Lauren is, she's in, an, it's an environment that's a little more open and kind of thing where she likes a little more structure and things like this. And I'm like, no, I mean, it's a free thinking ideas. I want these ideas. <laughs> well, and, and they're smart flow. kids. They're such smart kids, but because we've both been in the field and he's been in it longer than I have, but we'll hear an idea and we're like, that's n- that's not plausible. That's not even real. That's not, did you watch that on TV? Because it's just not possible. But in their head, they're like, they think it's this great idea, but we're like, no, we've been criminal justice. Like we know this isn't so a no, thing. That's science fiction. So, yeah. And so like, <laughs> this trying is to, criminal justice. like trying to let their little minds be these awesome things. Cause sometimes they have the greatest ideas. My head didn't even go there. It's awesome that yours did, but then trying to tame their little minds because it's like, I've had them walk into my office and please literally, don't think literally Dr. Belichick, I could cure cancer today. Like, <laughs> and you're just, uh, okay. okay. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure it's been cured for a while. We're just doing it for financial reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things where yeah. the kids will come in, and I have to kind of keep an eye on them. They all want to change the world. They all yeah. they all want to be the next president who cures cancer and fixes. Yeah, and they might be. Yeah. They, they might be. be. They might be. There's so much to what you do. Have I not asked you something that I should have? Have I not asked you something no, that you want to talk about? It was so much fun for me researching this, <laughs> and I couldn't wait for the two of you to get here because it's just such an interesting, and I mentioned sci-fi. I mean, to someone like me and probably to most average people, it is. What you do is probably more in my realm of thinking as that, but it's such an important thing of what's going on today and the way that the future is going certainly has to increase that. I can't thank you enough for both being here. here. Thank you so much. This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Dr. Scott Belshaw and Lauren Underwood. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, please go back and listen to our previous interviews, which you can find on our website, olli.unt.edu slash podcast, or by searching for the Ollie at UNT podcast in your favorite podcast app. While you're in the app, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. We also encourage you to share our podcast with your family and friends. Join us again next week for another episode.